And good morning. It is 935. It is time for Gardening with Karen and Barb. Joining me now, our good friend, Master Gardener, Barb Lampson. Good morning, Barb. Hey, Karen. It's good to be here today. It's a beautiful morning. And we're excited to hear there might be some rain because, boy, do we need it. Yes, yes. And here's my thought. If it's only four tenths, it's only four tenths. We would hope for more, but please give us at least that four tenths because my my wren barrels are empty. Mine too. Yes, and so here's the thing with rain barrels. Uh, They're, you know, made out of plastic, and because it's been so hot, they have that breeding uh, uh, ground in there, and, and they get... They get algae starts algae, to, they to thicken up, yeah. One day I turned on uh, the faucet on my rain barrel, and it was like smelling the sewer. It oh. just gave off the smell. And so um, I drained it out. I carried it into my plants. I certainly didn't throw that water away. And David dismantled it and used the power washer and power washed the hole inside. And, and he ran all that stuff onto the grass. And no kidding, it was nasty looking stuff. Right, because I usually wait till the end of the year, the, the fall, and then I take sure. my pressure washer and clean them out before winter. And of course, make sure you empty them. But I've had all that green uh, algae too and I have not done that yet but it's probably not a bad idea yeah right because then you know the spigot on it and that, that it gets starts, plugged yeah it gets, it gets plugged, mine so are going real slow so I'm guessing mine are probably getting, yeah, <laughs> getting yeah, there yeah exactly so so that job is done and now we're waiting for some more rain thank oh you goodness. mother nature yes please for giving us rain <laughs> but hey saying thank you we want to thank those people who came to our pollinator tour that yeah we had you had a great ago. turnout didn't you yes yes we did we had many people coming and asking great questions and and to the three couples that we had um the husband and wife um they were just you know it's so nice when we get couples when when they're they're going to work on a project together and yes. they're into this together that's it's it's wonderful and they were interested in rain barrels and they were interested in uh, well just about everything but water you know preserving water and how we do that and they were surprised at the water you can collect from the roof of your house from the roof of your garage from your um from your shed your garden shed it's amazing what you can yes yes exactly and normally it's just you know it's just going into the ground in one area wherever the gutter comes out at so this this was really good and we want to segue into the um United Nations released their report, their climate report, two weeks ago, and they talked about how climate change, it's not new science. We have had this. Our scientists have been studying this. They've been telling us about this, but it is... uh, expanding. It's becoming greater. Uh, the ozone is being affected more than what they had thought. And so now they said a couple of things that I thought were interesting. Number one, this is created by humanity. This is people that are doing this. This isn't, isn't a natural phenomenon at all. This is us putting those greenhouse gases up into the the atmosphere and we've got to stop that and they said that there is a place for all nations to come together to form a plan 
and to have a timeline for what they're going to do to reduce these greenhouse gases. And that is so incredibly important because this is a problem for all of us. And then that takes us to the individual. What can we individually do? Because it isn't up to government, it isn't up to um, uh, other entities, it's up to the individual to change how they view their relationship with nature and what they want to leave to future generations. I I don't know if you had, you obviously didn't have a chance to, I had interviewed Will Steger. He is an amazing polar yes. explorer. And I interviewed him and had him on the show uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. And his basically, you're preaching the same thing he was talking about. And, you know, and he has lived sustainably up in Ely, Minnesota, built everything, you know, log cabin, hewn by hand and right. and uh, solar panels, et cetera. And he talked about his experience uh, seeing directly firsthand how when he did his first expedition up to the North Pole and then how he came back years later and not that yes. even that much later and how the ice shelves are just gone. And yes. he talks about, how, you know, that is so much increasing the the heating up of the world. And he's got a, a climate um society or organization that is working toward fighting that and you know encourage people to go to will steger's site because that's a way to get some ideas but just incredible a guy who saw it firsthand and hearing his even the smallest thing yeah that you can do whether you and i i I just get onto this whole thing with grass and this turf grass and um i was out looking at lawns and you can tell which ones have in-ground sprinkling systems and they are so green and they're being mowed weekly and then they have to thatch them because they get so thick and oh my goodness that whole thing and i would just encourage anybody if they are part of this if they have a sprinkler system you know just keep it off don't turn it on let your grass go dormant and think about how can you change this so that it's more sustainable because it isn't as sustainable and if you do this now what are you going to leave your children your grandchildren future generations what will you leave them you know we we have to see ourselves as in connection with the rest of god's great planet just because when we're gone it's going to continue on and i don't want to leave you know nothing for the the future and the fauna i want to leave butterflies and i want to leave bees which the bumblebee has become one of my favorite things. Do you know that the bumblebees sleep together on plants? There'll be like no, oh, I didn't know that. No, I actually know. There'll be like five or six of them in a row, Aww. or by a plant, and and there they are. They are just as sleepy as what the Japanese beetles are, and you can just go and they're just they're just snoozing away. And you can pet them. Pardon? You can pet them. Albat pets them all the oh, time. Oh, does he really? Oh, I pet bumblebees, yeah. I wonder, I'll have to try that. I just didn't want to disturb them. But that was a recent discovery for me, and I thought, wow, this, you know, and I was, uh, I had a person in my garden, and she said, do you have problems? And if you have bees, do you have problems with bees stinging you? And I said, no, they're very friendly. They only sting in self-defense. Right, when you're when you're bothering them. and Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah that is exactly right. And, <clears throat> you know, I have several flat-shaped dishes in my garden that I keep with water in. We have the pond, we have the bird Just bath. a little water, because bees, they need the, the, the you know, there are, people have even seen snakes coming in their bird um, 
uh, bird baths because they need water too. I mean, yeah, so many. Exactly. And they're exactly. so important. So I used to put a rock in there for them to land on, oh. but now I discovered um, in my in the pond the um, the the water plants in there, the sure. water hyacinth and the water lettuce. They're because of the heat, they're growing so profusely. So I've taken the smallest plants and I put them into these areas, and then I station myself so I can just sit and watch and see who's going to come. And the bees and and the uh, different kinds of insects, which I can't identify, they fly in and they land on those water plants, just like it's their, their runway to land on. And then they just go right over to the edge and they drink. Drink. I know. It, it, but what a great thing you can do for some yeah, of them now, especially yeah. because, I mean, we are in a drought and they're, they're suffering worse. too. Oh, it is. And like, you know, we saw the, I was talking about this map that they showed how we are more in extreme drought now here. And as it's continuing to move ex- and very, very terrible drought up in the northwest part of the state, I know. So, yes, um, yes. you know, I had a an arborist on Wednesday come in talking about watering your trees. You know, I haven't really watered my trees, but he said, you know, it's not a bad idea to leave a trickle from your hose, you know, maybe half of what you normally would sure. have it on. And he said, leave it there for an hour because... Those trees, even though they're probably reaching deep down as they can, the the uh, ground is sure. very very dry. So uh, I'm I did that with some of my uh, fir trees because you know they need to have moisture going on into the the winter months because otherwise they dry out from all the winds in the winter, et cetera. Sure. So some things I mean we can do, but don't waste <coughs> it on your your grass. No, exactly. And you know if you have what I call junk trees, you know if, if we have box elder um, box elder trees, blue spruce. Are, they really are. They they're I, yeah. not good for our climate. Because they're pretty, but you're right. They're they're yeah. They, they soon they get uh, cytosporous canker. They ne- get needle uh, drop. Yeah, that needle drop, and and then with it being so dry, they are just a place where you could have um, uh, lightning strike them, and Fires. you'd have a fire, and it could spread. So with that in mind, the one that's closest was closest to my. Um, cedar shed we had taken down okay and i really i just breathed such a sigh of relief to get that out of there and as i can afford it that's at the top of my list of things i want to do we have three more that to take them down yeah yeah they it just don't plant them they're cute they look wonderful they're very often given away as a seedling um you know if you get something that's free today it may cost a couple a thousand dollars right. for the in the future to take right. it back down and if there's a native that you can plant instead i don't believe blue spruce are native i think they're more of an ornamental right exactly yeah they, so no they're not no you know, um uh, the norway is supposed to be one of the healthier ones to bring here. Isn't the red pine? Yeah, the red pine is a state tree, in fact. Right, right. The the Norway, I think it's a white pine. It was a white that, one, too. Yeah, that one is, is, is very good. And you know, the pines, their needles are in bunches. So you can tell if, you, if you're looking at a pine or if you're looking at a spruce, which the needles on the spruce are separate. Right, though on the spruce, it's <clears> kind of <throat> like they're, they prickle all up and down the... the yeah, the, yeah branch yeah yes yeah. exactly and exactly. and we have a couple of fir trees now the firs seem to be doing better than the spruce so sure, sure. you know but but that's we don't, a thing but you have. we don't know what the history is going to be because well, right we're in a different cycle here we're in a different time where things get so extremely hot and where we don't have as much snow cover then we've got the heat the 
a warming trends besides. So, uh, you know, I would do a lot of research, and there's a lot of research out there on, on things that seem to be more hardy. And if I was going to plant a tree, I would check with the university and get the names of those things. Well, even the arborist I interviewed on, on Wednesday was talking about how they're starting to plant some Zone 5 stuff here. Really? And I, I said, well, aren't you kind of worried about just tempting it? He says, yeah, but we're kind of experimenting, he said, because we know things are changing. So they, yeah. they're purposely doing some of that because of the way things are changing. Sure. But, you know, I have a ginkgo, and I have loved the ginkgo tree. Yeah, me too. Since I, I think it was brought to our attention as master gardeners maybe 35 years ago when we were up at the Arboretum and we saw them and we saw these fan-shaped little leaves, and I thought, I've never seen anything quite like that in my whole life. I gotta have one of these. And the first one that I had in my, had in my backyard, um, our son had a, um, I forget which, nunchucks, and he was swinging oh, okay. them around. <laughs> he was in the martial arts, and he swung it and it got loose. And that young tree, it just cut it right off. Oh. It was just really a powerful oh, thing. Oh, no. You know, so then the, the next one I got was several years later and in the front yard. Now it's probably 8 to 10 years old. And at the very top, in the crown of the tree, the leaves are curling a little bit, which means it's dry. Now, the reason we love the ginkgo so much is because it survived the ice age, which was eleven. Last ice age was eleven thousand years ago. It has relatively, if any, few uh, problems with right. insects or other diseases, things like that. It's but maybe if it's at a certain stage of its life, maybe we have to, like the arborist said, we just have to start putting a hose out there and let it drip very, very slowly, so it drips down in. And as you mentioned, diversity is so important because if what if something does happen to the ginkgo down the line and you've got a whole yard full, then sure. you're gone. So sure. the one thing he did recommend not planting was more maples he says we have yeah, in right. the in the city there are too many maples and there's some concerns and issues with them i know they're beautiful with their color but he said that it's ju we just have way too many kind of like we had with the ash there's so many and now there's yeah. disease comes and then we're wiped out so that's one to avoid right now yes i agree and there are some of the <clears throat> flowering crabs too that that is a tree that uh I don't know if it's going to be able to tolerate if we have a drought for any length of time. Well, I've got, I know, a beautiful one in my yard. I'm wondering if it's going to come back because it's an older one. So I'm sure. thinking it's probably, I don't know. It's hard. Mine is starting to drop leaves, and that's a real concern. And it is older. It's probably 35 or yeah. 40 years old. Yeah. So My birch <clears throat> tree, I have a heritage birch, and that is dropping trees like it's fall now i mean so i don't know how how that's going to be impacted exactly. if that means it's going to die early but it's a very much of a stress on them right now and some of them may not come back sure sure you know i was going to tell you give you a, a little update on my pond yes <clears throat> because you gave me your your uh fish fish bucket. one of them you named bucket. bucket yes yes and um the other night i heard a kind of a clank clank in the backyard it was, uh -oh. it was after one o'clock in the morning and I thought, oh my gosh, do you suppose that the deer jumped the fence and they're in there? <laughs> I looked out the window. I didn't see anything. I went back to bed. The next morning, I got up bright and early, and I stepped on the um, limestone blocks that the, the stone that's that surrounds the pond. The pond, okay. Mm -hmm. And it makes that clicking sound. And I thought something was standing up here, oh. and I looked. And you gave me this plant that's a curlicue thing. Right. It was gone. 
Uh oh. And I thought, oh my God. Because you had it in a pot in the water. Yeah, yeah, and it's on a ledge. So uh-huh. there's a ledge there that it sits on in the water. And and um and then I went and looked around the yard to see if anything else is gone and I thought, well, if it had been deer, they would have taken they would have munched on lots of things. Well, did it just tip over in the pond? No, it was a raccoon. What? It took the plant? No, I found it. It was in the water and it had been oh. dragged over. <laughs> and I think he, I don't know if he was trying to get it out of there or what he was doing or if he was fishing and it was in the way. So, you know, here a few years ago when we had the other pond, we had a raccoon come in and take the biggest fish. And and it, they don't eat them. They gutted them oh. and, and then threw them out. So do they eat the guts at least? Well, they were just torn apart is what they were. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that was all about. Because I had neighbors who used to have koi that said that they quit having them because the raccoons would come in and take them all. Yeah. 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 And that's, well, I hope that you, yes. you don't have to get electric fence. <laughs> yeah. I, I put this pot up there. I thought, well, if this slowed you down for a little bit, maybe oh, it will slow you down again. And if you're up there, I'll hear this click clicking. And maybe I'll have to come out here with the, uh, with, uh, um, you know, I throw water bottles at them or rocks at them <laughs> or things like that. And to get you out of my yard because I do not want you in there fishing every night. That's uh, that's that's not good. Kids, you hear that? If you go and in, <clears throat> in, in invade Barb's lawn, you're going to get water bottles thrown at you. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Especially if you're after the fish. Uh, but at the garden, I have to tell you, uh, our peppers are just amazing this year. They're sweet and they're red. Yesterday, I made stuffed peppers. They're so absolutely good. What do you stuff your peppers with and how do you make them? Okay, so um, I use... Um, um, pork sausage. Oh, okay. And and then I use rice and with onions in there and mushrooms in there. Stuff it, and I put it in. This is the first time I did this. I usually use the oven, but it's too hot to be using an oven. So I used. I have a a crock pot that's not. It's um, longer, wider, mm-hmm. so you can put things in there. And on the bottom, I put some of the tomatoes that I brought home and uh, some onion and some garlic. First of all, I turned the crock pot on, and when that was cooked, then I set these uh, peppers on top of that. So good. And then when it's when when you're ready to take them out, then you take them out and you put in some sour cream with that tomato business that you got in the bottom which makes a cream sauce and we also had new potatoes to go with that from your garden from my garden and you know what i ate a seconds i had seconds (laughs) and i'm not a person who eats seconds but we show Good. Oh my gosh, it was good. It was just delicious. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. We've our peppers are looking pretty good. I plant only the one. It's the yum yum, the sweet peppers, and Jeff <laughs> loves them. You just pick them off, and they're they're little snackers. So you can pick them when they're green. Some of them turn orange. Some turn red. You right. know, and then yellow. And so they're very very pretty, and and they're just like a little snack. So I suppose you could probably stuff them with something too. I, I bet your cream cheese would be good in those. Well, certainly would be, and and you can even do something like yeah. Uh, if you're a vegetarian, it doesn't work. But uh, if you if you made an egg salad or a chicken salad and put it in there, oh, sure. it would just be, yeah, that would be absolutely perfect. I would love that. So, yes, my peppers are one thing, and my uh, tomato berries are very, very good. They're producing well, and I continue to 
uh, water those with a hose because I don't want to use rainwater on my vegetables right. that I eat because, you know, you get all the, the yeah. stuff that comes off from the asphalt roof, et cetera. Sure. And so, you know, I've, I've continued those, and those are still doing well. Good. Um, but, yeah, otherwise, uh, my, my broccoli sprouts are getting a little, some are going to seed. Right. Do you think if I cut those, they'll come back? And yes, the, I do. Okay, so for fall, <laughs> then maybe when it gets right. cooler weather, they won't be yeah. so... Yeah. Tough, because they get a little tougher. So that's the thing about broccoli. Sometimes it gets ahead of you, yeah. and it starts getting the yellow blooms yep. on it. Just cut that back, and and that will come back in the fall. But now, like your cauliflower, I mean, once you take a head of cauliflower... It's done, pretty It's much. done. The yeah. whole plant's done. You could take it out and... Uh, a compost that whole thing you'd have to cut it up because it has a good size root on it and that base is like the base of a cabbage oh it's so it would take forever to break down in a compost i've pile. noticed when i've had cabbage sometimes when i cut the cabbage off they form new little heads around they it do. and that's the weirdest i i never noticed that before and i think it was the last year i had some and i thought well look at there's all these new baby heads so i thought that was just the coolest thing yeah they're like brussels sprouts they Big really ones. are when they're small like that and if you're if you're doing some kind of a dinner in your oven you just peel off that outer edge and I make a an X on the top and then when they're baking they kind of spread open oh. and each leaf they're they're actually better than the cabbage because they're so tender oh sure they're absolutely young and tender yeah we went to the uh, <coughs> Steel County Fair yesterday and saw some amazing vegetables too there was a cabbage that was probably I know it was way bigger than a bowling ball. I can't even think a beach ball size. And it was mm. just the coolest thing. And it was so it was fun to see. But I there was not nearly as many things uh, there. And I wonder if it's because people are having issues with the drought with their gardens. Oh, sure, sure. And and, and maybe, you know, there's uh, the, uh, people want to stay home. They don't want to be part of something like that. Well, that is true. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and maybe they're using all their food. I um, did plant a second crop of things out at the lake house. I had a, an empty bed, and so I'm getting uh, new green beans. I don't know. We'll see if they uh, will ripen before harvest. And right. I planted radishes, which with this heat, I don't know. They might bolt still. I'm not yeah, sure about that. I might have to replant those. Tricky. Um, I I planted new green beans, and they're tall, and the leaves are being eaten by the Japanese oh. beetles. But the Japanese beetles, if there's any correlation with how many I'm finding, I think we're getting they're less now. You think? I I, I think <laughs> I think they so. moved on to new plants because what I found is once my hardy hibiscus was done blooming, now they've moved to other plants yeah, plants in the yard. They have that's true. Yeah, yeah so they. Right. I'm thinking about putting down milky spore. You know, people talk about that, putting it. Sure. And that's something that's supposed to last for many years if you put it down once because it's pretty expensive. Mm. And I'm thinking about doing that, but I know that basically you do it, and if everybody else doesn't do it, then, you know, there's st you're still going to sure. get them in your yard. But I figure, well, I guess I could do my part and start. What do you <coughs> think about that? Well, I, I if it's safe and if, you know, yeah, if there's no is. known effects mm -hmm. to other things, I think that that would be okay. You try it and keep us informed. Hey, I want to talk about something before I forget. Yes. That I think it's really important. At Henderson this Saturday. Hummingbird hurrah. Her, hummingbird hurrah. And our friend El Bat is there. Yes. And he'll be speaking to the people. He'll be at the school gymnasium. And I don't know what time that is. I'll look that up real quick. But yeah, Al did tip mention that he was going to be there. And he's, of course, always fun to listen to. And have you been to that? I have never. I have. Okay. And it's wonderful. And they, they, you know, they handle these little tiny birds. And they ban them. And they ban them. And then they just flutter off. 
And here's something else. I don't know if it's still there, but the last time I was there was about five years ago for that. The drugstore, the old-fashioned drugstore, has, they make malt shakes the old-fashioned way. And very good, very delicious. It's wonderful to go and see all the things and then sit down in this old drugstore at the counter and have a malted milk. I have it. Here it is, the Henderson Hummingbird Hurrah, Birds, Bees, Butterflies, and Blooms. And it is this Saturday, August 21st, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., rain or shine. And it's the Bender Park at 200 North 3rd Street in Henderson. And also at the Minnesota New Country School that's at 210 Main Street. The garden location is at 4th Street and Oak Street. And speakers including Larry Farr and Al Bat, exclamation point. And Larry Farr is uh, with Get Growing on KSTP-TV. He'll be from 10 to 10.45 and 11 to 11.30 is a garden tour with Master Gardener Jackie Smith. And 1 to 1.30 is another garden tour with Master Gardener Jackie Smith. And then Al Bat, 1.45 to 2.45 is humorist and author Al Bat. So All I think that'll right. be a lot of fun. There's Oh, and I'm so excited to see one of our 4-H kids that I work with, Amanda Vogel. There'll be uh, a educational displays, bees from Larry Farr and pollinator display from Amanda Vogel. And she's one that I've worked with with the 4-H sure. ambassador uh, uh pollinator ambassadors and she will be also going to the state fair i know with her display and has done some amazing things a young gal who is uh, i think she's in nicolette i think she's from nicolette or yeah i'm pretty sure it's nicolette and or is it st peter one of the two anyway so she's just it's just a neat way to see young people get so involved so yeah free for the whole family uh you can check it out on their henderson hummingbird hurrah Dot com or they also have a Facebook page. So uh, are you going to ch- try and get there this weekend? or? Yeah, definitely. Uh, even if it's raining, I think. Because, you know, when we had our pollinator garden tour. It was raining. People came in away. And we just stood out in the rain. And I never stopped talking. Can you believe it? Uh, <clears throat> no. <laughs> <laughs> Although, you know, your voice sometimes is going these days a little bit. So it hopefully. Is, it is. And it was. I'll tell you what. I had to put my best foot forward and um, had a bottle of water and kept, you know, gets dried out. And, um, but, but we, you know, I just, it was just great. So um, if it's raining, go anyway. It'll probably stop raining. Speaking of Master Gardeners, you know, at the Steel County Free Fair over in Oatana, you know, they re, uh, they, they had, um, somebody else took over the Isaac Walton building. Well, mm-hmm. and the place where Albat used to be is now, it was the Master Gardeners as well as um, something about bees. So uh, there was people there that would ask answer your questions. There's about master gardening over in the Steel County Fair. So if you're heading over there, go to the Isaac Walton building and get some answers from them. So, you know, we don't do poetry. Oh, you're going <clears> to <throat> do a poem for us. Yeah, this is something that I found uh, by Denise uh, Levertov. It's called Beginners. But we have only begun to love the earth. We have only begun to imagine the fullness of life. How could we tire of hope? So much is in the bud. How can desire fail? We have only begun to imagine justice and mercy, only begun to envision, envision how it might be to live as siblings with beast and flower and not as oppressors. Very nice. Thank you, Barb, for sharing that. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's very dear to my heart, and I hope people will, this week will think about their relationship with everything in nature. 
Thank you so much. Hey, we will see you next week. All right. Thanks, Gary. All right. Bye-bye, Barb.